Hello, welcome everybody to episode 106 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, June 3rd, 2021, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers and communicators can navigate what we call the No Normal. I am Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined as always by Chase Kleckner, who is senior marketing manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hi, Chris. Good to see you as always. Good to see you too. And also thrilled to welcome Chris Dufresne, who is Vice President of Experience and Marketing Operations at Alina Health, right here in my hometown of Minneapolis. Chris leads the experience team at Alina Health, focusing on improving the omni-channel experience across all of the organization, including digital experience. Chris's background includes e-commerce, data management, and business intelligent roles at organizations such as Target, Corporation, and Macy's. Chris and his team focus on how to simplify the healthcare experience to allow consumers and patients the ability to focus on being well. Hello, Chris. Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to the conversation. Likewise. Appreciate uh, being able to be here. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we got a lot to a lot to cover before we dive in. Some housekeeping notes. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is where we share industry trends, research, stories. We hear from folks from within healthcare, like Chris, from outside of healthcare, also like Chris, because he's both. Uh, and we try to pull together whatever ideas and content we can pull together to help you all navigate that no normal. Remember also that you can subscribe to this show via podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post a recording of the show uh, every week. Uh, we'll have that up by tomorrow at around 11 midday. Uh, you can find that at our website at thinkrevivehealth.com slash no-normal. Chase, I've been saying slash no-normal forever. It's actually a backslash, is it not? It is a backslash, yes. It's a backslash. <laughs> a hundred and how many episodes in? 106 episodes in. And I'm just now realizing that I've been using the wrong slash qualifier. Backslash no dash normal. People will figure out. They'll get there. I'm sure they will. Okay. With all that nonsense out of the way, let's talk. So the theme, Chris Dufresne, that we wanted to focus on is your work around developing the experience at, at Alina. And also, you know, in specifically how digital is an important part of it, but not the only part of it. So let's just start with that, you know. What do you mean by, hey, we're focusing on more than just digital? You know, I think we can figure out what it means in general. You tell us what it means for you and why it's so important to think that way. Yes. Um, you know, I've been putting a lot of thought into this well before COVID and after COVID. So I say BC and AC before COVID, after COVID. <laughs> it's the new designator, right? Uh, but, you know, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see that healthcare's far behind other consumer focused industries, right? We've heard about the consumerization of healthcare and um, the power that the consumer has is the need for price transparency, et cetera. Um, so I think it's pretty well understood now. Um, but let me give you some background of where I'm coming from when I'm thinking about, it's not just about digital. So my career started in retail, um, including e-commerce. Uh, you mentioned Target Corporation and Macy's. Back in 2005, I worked uh, within Macy's and my team uh, was one that was first starting to launch some of our products on this thing called the internet. And it was really this weird thing, right? I mean, we were used to shipping product to our stores and that, that was it. 
Now we had to get photography involved and get products listed on the website, make sure our vendor was supportive of that, et cetera. But online was so separate. It was a completely separate entity. Even when I moved over to target.com then, a few years later, target.com was in a completely separate structure from the rest of the merchandising organization. And you know, I think what we can look at is, uh, and it felt that way to the customers too, it was just disconnected, right? Um, I look back and we had to, in the stores, we had to figure out how to incentivize them to actually steer people to the digital experience. Because if the store sent somebody online to buy the product, like a furniture item, for example, to have it shipped to their home, that store lost credit for that sale, right? So we had to figure out how to give them credit. And fast forward to now, but you can you can see retail really learned a lot over the last few years. And COVID expedited that for the retail sector as well. Now you have options like, okay, I can ship to my home, I can ship to the store, I can go to the store and pick it up like normal. I can drive up to the store and text or call or do something in my app and they bring it out to my car, right? Um, so there's all these different options and they've really blended together the digital experience and the in-person experience. I say in-person, some people say terrestrial, et cetera. Terrestrial always makes me think of the movie E.T., so I don't right. use that. But even if you look at hospitality, right, they've started to figure this out too with digital keys. If I don't want to interact with someone at the front desk, I can skip that, get to my room, and I can order room service on my phone and it's delivered to my room, right? So digital to then in-person. Um, and so I feel like in healthcare, we need to figure this out. And that's where this concept of it's not just about digital. It's how digital works within the broader experience that are that we expect as consumers. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, and I love the perspective you're bringing from outside of healthcare, um, just because, you know, as you and I talked about, Chris, this industry just needs it needs to move a lot farther a lot faster and we can learn so much from other industries so we need more people like you coming in from the outside uh and what's interesting to me is when you think about the connection of digital and what i'll say in real life instead of terrestrial one of the few places that that happens in the health system space is with online scheduling right and even that has taken some time right like there's still organizations that don't have true online scheduling they have online scheduling means uh, let us know you want, you know, to schedule an appointment and we'll get back to you via email. So kind of asynchronous online scheduling, um, chat bots are coming online. Uh, but all of this needs to be coordinated and seamless. And, and that's where the trick really is. Right. Definitely. I mean, I, I think of online scheduling and, you know, how do we get healthcare online scheduling to be as simple as open table right now? That's aspirational. We know there's a lot of complexities in healthcare. There's a lot of specialties and subspecialties, et cetera. But at least for the common things, how do we simplify it for the consumer and allow them to schedule when they want, where they want, and still have the ability to call if you're having trouble, right? So if I'm in the middle of trying to schedule something, likely if I call a health system, and this happens at Alina, I'm starting over. It's not like the person on the other end of the phone could say, oh, I see you're looking at Dr. So-and-so. Let me help you get to the right visit type or whatever that might be. There's a whole lot that needs to be simplified internally in our operations. And so it's not just the online piece there either. It's the operational workflows, how scheduling templates are set up. All of those things come into play uh, in order to enable the digital side, but to, to make it more of a cohesive experience. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about some of the other, you know, corollaries you see in healthcare, particularly from, you know, your, your experience coming from the outside? Yeah. Well, you know, through the years prior to 
COVID. And then all of a sudden there was a scramble at many health systems during COVID to figure out how to do virtual care, right? You know, I, I liken it back, or I remember back a couple of years, like doctors like, well, we, we can't do this. Like I have to have hands on on a patient in order to provide care. And I think as we've all seen, COVID has shown like there's plenty of things that can be done virtually. And so uh, we spent a lot of time figuring this out, but now it's not always about the video side either, right? We've got asynchronous virtual care for minor ailments like sinus infections, UTIs, et cetera. And the consumer's okay with those being isolated. I don't always need to have video, right? Um, just get me the meds that I need to feel better by answering a questionnaire and not having to go on video when I feel like garbage, right? Right. But then with video starting to come about, um, you're, you can have a more connection with your provider, which is great. And then COVID happened, right? And it's one of the few means you really, we forced the consumers into it. Providers got more on board, patients got more on board. So that's been great. But now I think we're running into some challenges in general as an industry of how do we keep people there where it makes sense? So consumers, I think, are still going to be looking for the convenience factor of virtual care, especially as people start going back to work. It, it's so much easier to just have a quick video call for a med check or something simple than, than having to make it a one or two hour ordeal to drive to the doctor's office and go through all those steps. I think what's interesting now, and again, this is where it's not just about digital, is if I am having a digital encounter, a virtual encounter, what if I need a lab test? What if I need imaging, right? How do I get drugs delivered quickly, right? How do I, how do we do those things? And how do we handle all those workflows behind the scenes? And those are some of the challenges I know we're trying to figure out and plenty of others are trying to figure out of how to make it simple. So if I'm having a visit with my doc virtually and um, doc feels like I need to come in for some labs, how do I just come in for the labs and then leave, right? I don't need to redo the whole visit and answer the same questions again. And how do we get all of our systems lined up and all the internal workflows to be able to do that? And that's, that's an ongoing challenge. And it's going to be interesting to see how that gets figured out in the months and years to come. Yeah, it, it what makes it even more challenging, obviously, is that we're in an industry that was built from the the inside out. It was built for providers. It was built for hospitals. It was built for the people to deliver care. And you, patient, shall navigate what we have put in front of you. Uh, and to do a lot of things you're talking about takes um, a lot of a lot of change. Not the least of which is a mentality change of this should be all built around them. Uh, and how do we how do we completely deconstruct this apparatus that we've created to deliver on that? Uh, and it's it that is no small feat to be able to do that. We've got competitors that are going to come in to you know some of the places you've worked. Target as an example that that's 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 in their DNA. That's part and parcel to who they are. We've got folks like Target coming into this space: Walmart, Walgreens, CVS. Um, Optum right here in our own hometown, right? Basically mm -hmm. in Twin Cities that are also wired to put the consumer at the center. Yeah. And, you know, I, I we're, we're constantly thinking about how do we defend ourselves, right? Or how do we partner uh, with these different entities that are coming in? And I think um, it's both of those, right? There's, there's room for partnership and then there's a little bit of a defense. And I think that defense is a lot of times the relationships that healthcare systems have with their, their consumers, with their patients, right? 
that provider relationship is is so important. And then you rely on that relationship when you need it most, right? If you get a cancer diagnosis or uh, break a bone, you know, start having um, heart challenges, et cetera. Uh, that's one of the areas where I think health systems have a really sizable advantage of being able to connect the patient or consumer throughout the healthcare system and not have to have as many jarring handoffs as you might from, you know, a primary care practice that is only primary care. And then where do I go for a specialist and how does that work? And now I got to restart with all my records. So we have a duty to help our patients and consumers see there's value in coming to a health system, right? There's value in that you can trust that your insurance is going to be covered. You don't have to keep checking, right? And there's more regulations coming out that are going to help push us on that, right? Which I think are necessary to a, to a certain extent. Um, so it's a, it's a fun time to be in healthcare. Uh, we just need to make sure that we can learn from, you know, the, the businesses who have gone away before us, you know, the, the ones we always hear about Kodak, Blockbuster, et cetera. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, how do we learn from them? How do we, you know, take some cues and not just uh, discount what's happening, but really either embrace it or build up more of a defense and or offense for that matter uh, and help our consumers understand why they should be loyal to health systems and, and how that helps them. All right. So you said the word consumer again, we've had this conversation a couple of times, but we know that can be a loaded term in our space. We use it all the time. Sounds like that is your, your term of choice. Talk to us about how you use the word consumer internally at Alina and um, how it's received. Yeah. So I, I like to be the, the guy that bucks the trend, right? My team, one of our values is to be innovative. And we say, even if that's uncomfortable for Alina Health. So I think part of the role of a strong experience team, a strong marketing team, or a consumer focused organization is to be the, the group that pushes against the grain. And using the word consumer is one of the ways to push against the grain. Part of why we do that, and as we explain it to physicians and other uh, employees of the healthcare organization is, you know, patient a lot of times conveys sick, right? Unwell, um, not always, but, you know, it's just how we as humans have heard it, right? The inpatient setting or, you know, doctors always have their patients. Well, you go to the doctor when you're sick. Well, as we look at value-based care, population health, and, and the, the changing model of payment, we really want to help people see that they should be working with their provider even when they're healthy and well. And so how do we move away from this? You come in when you're sick, right? Um, in addition, it's not only about the person that we're treating, right? It's the people around them. So think about the continued aging population of boomers, right? You know, people like us are having to start being more involved in our parents' care, right? And we should be considered part of that. Like, who is the consumer is an interesting thing because if a provider is treating an 80-year-old patient, true, the, the patient is a consumer, but so is that patient's adult child who's providing care for them or connecting with them and, and having a key role in their care from a thousand miles away, right? And so I think that's why that, that word consumer is important and it helps people kind of think of this from a different mindset and, you know, we, I'm always careful to make sure that we continue to highlight how even with a consumer focus, we're still focused on our mission as an organization to provide care and help people stay and get well. Uh, so that helps too, just 
knowing that we're not trying to turn healthcare into purely a business. We are still mission-driven organizations that, um, as we've all heard, you need the financial side in order to drive the mission, right? No money, no mission. Yeah. Well, I love that, Chris. I mean, I've, I've, I've always held up Alina. Um, it helps that you're right in my backyard. And I had my three kids at Abbott Northwestern, uh, which is the premier hospital here in the Twin Cities, part of Alina. Um, I've always held up Alina as one of the leaders in taking that perspective of, hey, we're not just about care. We're not just about sick. We're about health. Uh, I believe it was your your Ken Paulus, the former CEO, and I don't know how long ago this was. might have been 10 years now. Uh, when Alina changed its name to Alina Health, that was not just a semantic change. That was a, a real reflection of a change in vision. Uh, and he, and I remember him saying at the time, look, we're not going to build any more hospitals. This, this isn't about that anymore. Uh, it's about all the other ways we can help people. I think the other thing that is important about the word consumer is it helps force this industry to understand that individuals have choice, that they act as consumers in, in selecting their care. Uh, and, you know, forever, the industry just felt like, hey, you look, you need us. If you build it, they will come. They come to us. Uh, you need, you know, we're the experts. This isn't a, this isn't a product. It's not a service. It's not a consumer experience. The truth of the matter is there's plenty of choices in any market. Uh, and the more we can think about individuals as consumers of healthcare, the more we're going to be able to cater to what they need, uh, which brings us back to where we started this, you know, digital, not digital. Um, there's such a rush to digital, uh, but not everybody wants digital, right? I mean, think about like scheduling. You've got, you've got some perspectives on even where people are at with scheduling, whether it's online or not. Yeah, like we have advanced our online scheduling in recent years quite a bit. And that's thanks to lots of work internally with our operational teams, uh, the work they've done to uh, handle change management with our providers and frontline staff to uh, open up templates and, you know, make it more easier for consumers to be able to schedule into those templates. That said, we're still seeing that there's a vast number of people who still want to call right? And that's okay. We, we need to enable that. And how do we continue to enhance that experience? We can put chatbots at it. We can put all these different tools, but when push comes to shove, there is a desire to call. And if you have a relationship with a healthcare system and you want to call your clinic, even though a lot of times when you're calling your clinic, it's going to a centralized call center, right? But the art is continuing to make that feel like it's part of the relationship, right? It's one-to-one. So I think continuing to honor that's really important. And also consumers are smart. They know how to game the system, right? I mean, think of the, the number of times that you try to schedule something and you don't see it. So then you still call and then you can get right. in, right? right? Same happens at restaurants, right? I mean, it's not unique to healthcare. It's if I go to open table and they don't have any reservations, well, I'm going to call and hope that they can actually get me in. And usually they can. So uh, I, I think it's really important to make sure that we continue to offer all the various channels to um, get in for appointments and be able to uh, schedule that interaction. But then it's also less and less about scheduling. I should be able to get care when and where I want it. And banks have started to figure this out, right? Now, they haven't all extended their hours to be 24-7, but with the advent of various apps and being able to deposit a check at any point, ATMs, et cetera, you know, and, and their drive-throughs are open later, how do we do the same in healthcare, right? Like we 
we drive people to urgent care, the emergency room, if it's off hours, et cetera. But with virtual, like what can we do virtually? Uh, we recently launched on-demand virtual care. Um, our operations team saw a clear need of, um, you know, there's a desire from the consumer to be able to get care when they want it, but not have to come in and not have to have it scheduled, right? And so on-demand virtual care comes about. Now we got to help consumers understand what is it, right? How does it work? What does it cost? Like this is a new thing. It's a new choice. And we want to help them understand what that choice is and guide them to the right, the right care for them. So definitely keeping that flexibility and scheduling and interacting with the consumer in the ways they want to interact and not forcing them down the digital path uh, is important. Yeah, that's great. It, it, it you know, we, we just have all these assumptions about what people want based on maybe the majority of people. Um, I may be an anomaly for this, but video content, everybody says you gotta have video content. I'm like, well, for some things, right. I still, maybe because of my age, like, I don't know, I still would rather read a long article than hear about it on video. And the reason is because I feel like I'm committing to something with video. Like I'm having to commit and I can't do anything else. I have to just sit there. Um, I'd rather have the flexibility of reading, stopping, reading, stopping. I suppose I could do the video too, but there's some kind of mental block for me personally. It's like, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather not engage in this in video in some cases. Right. Um, and so everybody's different and we've got, we can't just be like, oh, we're going to go from this to all digital. Well, no, there's still people who want to be on the phone. Um, or like the example you gave before Chris, which I thought was great. Some people would rather not talk to anybody at all video or phone, um, which is me now, whenever I need to deliver food, like if I want food delivered, I don't want to talk to anybody ever. Like Domino spoiled me years ago with their, you know, their online tracker and order it online. And you know, every time I order pizza or I have to call somebody, it's like a fight in the house. Who's calling? I'm not calling. Cause what's the first question you get? You've, but you've delivered, you know, you've had pizza delivered from this place 20 times in five years or whatever. And what's the first question? What's your address? We have to see if you're in the, if you're in the, you know, the delivery zone half the time they're like, sorry, you're not. It's like, yes, we are. I don't want to talk to you, human. Give me, give me somebody. Give me a bot. <laughs> give me a bot, please. Just, just do it. Um, and also I like your example. You threw back to the financial industry. I'm going to put Chase on this, on this spot. Chase, do you know what bankers hours are? I assume it's like what they are specifically. Is that what you're yeah, asking? What referring to? Yeah. It's okay uh, if you don't. Like nine to four? I don't know. Yeah. Well, bankers hours were a thing. Like before banking was deregulated and you basically had to go to the bank for everything. Their hours were, yeah, nine to four, nine to three, closed on Fridays, no weekends. Uh, because, because you have no choice. You had to go there. So they're like, yeah, they kick back. Like, Whatever you come to us when we're ready to see you, which has been healthcare forever, and that's the change that we're that we're undergoing. One last thing, Chris, I want to talk to you about. Speaking of choice, because we had a nice conversation about this, um, we had breakfast a few weeks ago. There's such a thing as too much choice, right? Yeah, I I can't remember I, as you mentioned, Chris. Like I'm not a video watcher either, and <laughs> I like to be able to read and highlight. Right? You see the books behind me and. Side note, I've had some vendors actually reach out and say, oh, I saw such and such book on your shelf. What do you think? And I'm like, that's creepy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like I forget where, what book it was, who to credit, but this idea that if you actually reduce the number of options, you can increase your sales. 
right? If you just continue to have this plethora of options and make it confusing to the patient, they're going to be like, eh, see you later, right? Or I'm just going to delay care because I'm not sure which one I should do. Do I go to this doctor for that or this other doctor? Do I start with my primary care? Do I need a referral? Like, I'm just confused. I'll wait, right? I'll wait till my knee hurts so bad I can't go for a walk, right? So I think it's important though, like we are giving more choice because we want consumers to be able to find the option that's right or convenient for them. So we need to make our experiences simple enough to help them, to guide them to the right care for whatever they need, whether that be digital, whether that be coming in person or this specialist or doing an asynchronous visit, et cetera. You know, it's an art that we, and a science, frankly, both, that we as healthcare systems need to figure out. And we have a lot of work going into that within Alina. Um, you know, what the beauty of working in a digital space is you can all go to our website, alinahealth.org, and click our Get Care button, and you can see how we're trying to do it. And if you use, like, Time Machine and go back and see how we did it a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, you'll see the continued evolution. And we have more to add, right, with the on-demand uh, virtual care that I – or, I'm sorry, on-demand urgent care. Where does that fit in the flow, right? And then you got to think about is the person logged in or not, right? And how do we do it in both ways? So really we wanna to continue to give our consumers more choice, but we need to make it really easy for them to understand what choice they should be making. That's right for them and for that yet. We're continuing to, to look for it and you can see it on amazon.com, target.com, apple.com. They're all trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know the last time you tried to get a hold of technical support for Apple, but <laughs> you gotta dig, right? Um, oh, and then, you know, so oh, it's, yeah. And they used to be known for their support, right? I'm still the old guy who goes into the Apple store though, but now even then you got to make an appointment. It's like, ah, oh. so how do we not put our patients and consumers at arm's length just to save on expense and continue to guide them to the right, the right way uh, to get their care? Yeah. So, I mean, so much of this is just orientation. I think some of the best work we did, um, was for a health system a few years ago that had acquired over time a number of different urgent care, you know, companies all in the same market. So they had multiple urgent care brands. Uh, they had retail care. They had virtual care. They had primary care. They had emergent care. And they're and and basically, when you went to their website, it was like, here's all the care we have. You can check this, this, and this. And you're just going. But why? Why would I pick this one instead of this one? They they both say urgent care, right? Like, and so we completely redesigned it. So it was, hey, it was like a decision tree. What are you looking for? Is it emergent or not? Okay, if it's emergent, nine one one, or here's you know the closest thing. Do you want something close by, or do you want to just do it from your your home? Okay, so now we've got virtual options, which there were multiple virtual options. If it was no, I need to go somewhere. Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna find the place that's closest to you. Right. Because forget about all the options. If there's one down the street, that's the only one I need to know about. I don't need to know about the 40 other ones. Um, and so it just completely reoriented the whole experience so that it was way more intuitive for that patient, as opposed to here's all the shit we have. <laughs> Figure it out, which is still kind of the dominant platform we have in this space. But we're working yep. on it. Right. We're all working on it. Well, unfortunately, we're, we're not alone, right? I mean, obviously, all healthcare is in it, but I even still get confused now with all the options when doing uh, shopping e-commerce, right? It's like bestbuy.com. Well, I want to have it shipped to my house because I don't want to go pick it up, right? 
Well, to figure out how to get it to ship to your house is a whole lot of clicks now, where before it used to just be add to cart, go, right? So, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out too in, in the other industries. So. Yeah. And there's, and there's all kinds of implications of that, right? Because you, you know, like we're, we're planning for my daughter's graduation, which is a week from Sunday. So we need to get some stuff ordered. Right. So I want to know, should I get it online or do I have to go somewhere? But to get, to figure out where they're going to deliver it on time, I have to go through the whole process, put, get it in my car and get all the way down to the shipping options before I know whether I can actually get it in time and what the cost of that is, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like, Hey, can I get this or not? Like if I knew that off the bat, it would have saved me five or 10 minutes of going through this whole process. Right. So that is still oriented toward kind of the old way of just like, Oh, we'll figure out the shipping and the, and how long it takes and the cost at the end, because that's not important. Well, in this new world that may be driving exactly whether or not you're going to buy that product at that time. Mm-hmm. So they still haven't caught up on that. So, yep. It's not just healthcare. That's fair. All right. Anything else you want to cover real quick, Chris, before we wrap any, any last points? You know, one last point, uh, it, it often gets overlooked when we talk about experience is the importance of the employee experience as well, right? How do, our, how do we as health systems make sure our employees know the options to them plus our consumers and patients, right? And so just don't forget about the importance of the employee experience because if you don't have a good employee experience and if your employees don't know what's going on, good luck getting the consumer to understand what's going on. So just uh, some words of wisdom is don't forget about the employee experience and how important that is. I think because many of us are employees in healthcare, we just kind of overlook that and like, well, that's just how it works. Well, it doesn't have to work that way. So how do we simplify it for our own folks and then turn that around to therefore simplify it for the consumer too? Yeah. There's nothing worse than building a great engagement platform for consumers let's say to drive them in for joint pain and you bring them into your website and they take an hra that says you know you ought to see somebody so they schedule something online and they show up and the the reception is like why are you here what what who are you what you know like okay there was a disconnect there and it all fails everything you did just failed because you didn't Mm -hmm. you didn't include your own people in that journey so super important all right, cool. Well, hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. I uh, appreciate the invite. It was great talking and uh, look forward to uh, continuing to see what happens in healthcare in the years ahead. There's going to be a lot coming. I think a lot of good stuff coming. So, yeah. Chase, thank you, sir. Yes, of course. Enjoyed the conversation. If you want us to cover something on the No Normal Show, let us know by posting something in the comments now if you're with us live. Otherwise, you can email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. Remember that you can visit thinkrevivehealth.com backslash COVID-19 uh, for a recording of today's episode uh, and all of our content related to COVID. You can also find the podcast there, obviously, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever else that you subscribe to podcasts. And until next week, who do we got next week, Chase? Putting you on the spot. I know it's not me. It is not you. I'm not in town. Yeah, it's Christian Barnett. He's going to be talking about the principles of ethnographies. Oh, one of my favorite things. I'll have to to subscribe on iTunes (laughs) after I'm vacation. All right, terrific. So thanks again for joining everybody, and good luck out there in the no normal. Until next time.